It's gorgeous out. Let's pop some dots. This is the Updog Podcast, a blend of upland and waterfowl hunting. Tune in as your hosts, Tyler Beaton, Jeff Ludicky, Matt Jeske, chat about training dogs and share their bird hunting stories, tactics, and strategies. Welcome to another episode of the Up Duck Podcast, where we talk everything from uh, everything bird hunting um, with dogs. That's kind of the center point of really what we uh, what we do here. Where we're all dog people, we love to chase ducks and geese and pheasants. Um, so, if this is your first one, welcome. We have a fantastic guest tonight. We'll introduce in a second. Uh, first, though, I need to give a quick introduction. So my name is Tyler Meaden. I'm one of your hosts. I am joined by my esteemed co-host, the Rooster Assassin, and uh, just... Uh, Would you forget my name already? Or no, what? no, no, no. I was going to add some more, but I totally messed it up. So <laughs> the Rooster Assassin, Jeff Ludicky, and the Mississippi Riverboat Gambler himself, Matt Jeske. What's up, fellas? Doing good. Yep. It's great. Yeah, that was, a little, that was a little of a shaky intro there for you, Tyler. I know. I forgot my name. You forgot the nicknames. What is going on, man? I, yeah, it was, it's, you know, it's been a day. It's been a day. <laughs> uh, let's, okay. I'll ask Jeff. Jeff, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I'm usually the only one that's got the beer, right? So I have a different one tonight. It's Third Space Brewing out of Milwaukee. Ooh. It's called a Hell's Lager. It's pretty good. Good. Yeah. Yep. Good enough and for the of course. Podcast. I got I got to put it in the the OKS Hunter Koozie here. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh. I'm a big fan of the green one. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I did that. Was that water or was that something else? It's a hydration packet. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hydration packet. <laughs> I don't know. I've got the good old fashioned water. So, um, all right. Uh, let's 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 dive in here. So I want to bring on our guest. Our guest tonight is. Zach, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Hessian. Zach Hessian. And is it Zach or Zachary? Uh, Zachary. Okay, yeah. Zach, Zach Hessian here. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Zach, why don't you tell us where, where you work, um, some background on yourself, where you're located, um, and uh, we'll talk, we'll dive into some of the hunting stuff here in a second. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, my name is Zach Hessian. Uh, I work with uh, Backwater Mud Motors. Uh, we're located right in the heart of Minnesota, central Minnesota, just about 20 minutes from St. Cloud. And yeah, excited to be here tonight. Excellent. That's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. I, I think it'll be kind of a, a cool one. Um, I've been using your products for the last couple of years here. Um, you know, I've talked about it on one of the other podcasts that, you know, when I started getting into the mud motor game like four or five years ago, I bought a tie kit. You know, and then I was searching for something that was a little bit, you know, a little bit more robust, a little bit, you know, American made, easier to handle, you know, and I bought, I got into the backwater motor and I've been loving it ever since. And I think it'll be a cool, a cool episode here because we're all three of us guys on the podcast are, you know, kind of at different stages. You know, I have a mud motor for small rivers. Matt's got a, a big outboard for the Mississippi. And then, you know, Tyler here is about to buy his first duck boat right tyler <laughs> it, it, well maybe a canoe yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's gonna be it's gonna be fun so you're in you're in minnesota have you are you born and raised are yep, you born yeah. and raised minnesotian yep yep born and raised uh lived here my whole life so still pretty young 24 years old but i got a feeling i'll be here for a while so Okay. All right. We ha he Jeff Matt. He's still wet behind the ears here. I can say he that is. now that I'm in my mid thirties. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, a whole life in front of him. I right? know. I know. I know. All right. We're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk all things mud motors. Um, we're gonna get all into all into backwater, all that stuff. Before we do that, though, uh, we want to learn a little bit about you, though. Like, what's? I assume you grew up hunting. Um, you know, probably, probably had a, you know, probably were, were, had a duck call from the time you were one or two years old, but uh, fill us in on that. Yeah. So, uh, I've been pretty much addicted to hunting, uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, 
my dad was a pretty big hunter, uh, more so with deer probably than ducks. You know, we went duck hunting a couple times a year. Um, but you know, that was kind of it. Um, but a big reason I think why I got kind of the hook into, into water following would have to be from actually the business partner to backwater, uh, who my dad started the company with, um, Arlen Gilk. Uh, so we own some hunting land in North Dakota. Uh, my dad and Arlen did or do. Uh, so when you're under 16, you're able to hunt every weekend in North Dakota. Uh, so we'd be out to North Dakota, you know, every single weekend with different groups of hunters. So probably from the time I was, I don't know, 10 years old and on, I was, grew up hunting ducks and geese and pheasants tagging along, you know, before you could hold a gun, uh, every single weekend of the season, basically, you know, the prime area for pheasant and waterfowl hunting. So, uh, that was definitely a big part of it. Uh, and then we were also into doing some media stuff. So filming some hunting TV shows and that. So I got to see that side of it, which was from a you know really young age, which was really cool. You know, get a take along to, you know, a lot of various TV shows being filmed and stuff and the, you know, waterfall shows. And so kind of got to see both sides of that. And of course get to experience some pretty, pretty memorable hunts. Uh, and then just, Kind of all that developed into just, yeah, wanting to do more and more with hunting. Uh, I got into duck and goose calling pretty heavy, uh, especially goose calling. Uh, did, you know, a few competitions, not a, not a ton, but kind of quit that around COVID. So, yeah, based in my uh, high school and, you know, from 12, 13 years old and on in high school, I mean, I was blowing duck and goose calls 15, 20 minutes a day, annoying the heck out of my parents and neighbors. And yeah, and just kind of kept going from there. So got to meet a ton of really cool people in the industry and definitely, yeah, just super blessed to, you know, have the buddies and stuff I have and contacts and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's awesome. I mean, what a, what a cool way to grow up, you know, in North Dakota, that's like the dream, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, super blessed. That's yeah, it, it was awesome. So now did you, I know you primarily did duck and geese. I heard you mention Upland too, I believe. Right. So do you dabble in a lot of other hunting? Uh, a little bit, you know, I, uh, deer hunt just a very little bit, um, kind of bites the best, you know, best weekends of deer hunt to also fall on the best weekends, be chasing ducks and geese. So I always kind of have that battle. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we, you know, pheasant hunted a little bit when I was younger, uh, went out with people here and there, but, uh, never really got super big into, into upland until the last uh, year when I, you know, I got a dog here. So, um, once I got him, I definitely last year, I chased more upland than I ever thought I would have. That's for sure. So. Okay. What, what, tell us about your dog. What kind of dog did you get? Uh, so I ended up, uh, It'll be two years now in October. I picked up a poodle pointer. So uh, he's been super fun. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely changed my life for sure. And my punting, that's for sure. So, and how has the, how has the training been going? Are you, I, I assume you're probably training him mostly yourself. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, it's been good. He's uh, pretty cooperative. And uh, sometimes I think he outsmarts the owner, but um yeah it's been it's been fun it's been a huge learning experience especially you know most people that i know uh that are big into dogs uh they're all you know into labs and stuff so uh it's been kind of fun to to kind of research into the versatile dog world and what that all entails and yeah i never never really thought of myself getting one or i mean i didn't know what a poodle pointer was up until like a month and a half before i got one i kind of stumbled into it uh i always just figured i'd be a lab guy but yeah i know i kind of took a chance and i'm glad i did it's been pretty fun so those german dogs have a lot of energy huh he's actually surprisingly he he's got a really good on off switch uh when he goes he goes but i mean he half the day i mean he comes with me to the shop every day and never really leaves my side so 
three quarter of the day is just laying at my feet. But as soon as you want him to go, he, he fires right up. So. So can, can I ask why, why the poodle pointer? What, like, how did you learn about it? And what you, why did you decide that like, that was the breed you were going to get? Um, so I had a, uh, I wasn't even really, I knew I was going to get a dog eventually. Um, but I wasn't necessarily even thinking about getting one, I should say, uh, in the future, you know, at that time. And, uh, I had a really good customer of mine, uh, turned out he now is being become a pretty good friend. And, uh, he just said in the shop one day, he owns a pretty big duck club down south. And he goes, ah, I said, if you ever get a dog, you got to look at a poodle pointer. I'm like, I first thing, probably like most people think like, I'm not getting a poodle. Like I've, yeah. not what I'm going to do, you know? And, uh, and then he, he kind of explained it and, uh, said he had, you know, he was big into doing, uh, hunt tests and field trials and all that stuff. And his, he got a poodle pointer, had it hunted him for like three seasons at that point. And yeah, he was showing me pictures and just talked about the kind of goofiness and the, of the dog when you're not hunting and the on off switch and then the ability to chase, you know, pheasants and ducks and all all that and the no shedding part uh my dog's you know he, dog lives in the house with me so the no shedding part was definitely probably the uh that they turned my eye the most i would say yeah, almost for sure uh and then yeah just uh looked at different breeders and videos and you know most breeders are you know you're on a wait list for you know six eight months or a year uh and then i ended up getting him out of uh, uh kennel by southern minnesota uh plotting gun dogs and he ended up uh he had a, that's with the the border restrictions in canada at the time and one of the dogs was they were like six or seven weeks old when i called him and the one guy wasn't sure if he was going to be able to take it because he wouldn't be able to get across the border so he kind of i don't know kind of let me jump in line because he you know had other people on a waiting list but tell i was young kid that's just fired up about getting a dog and uh yeah so i picked him up about a month and a half after i ever even learned what one was it was quite the adventure so that's awesome do you read gunhog magazine i do a little bit yeah did you read the latest him you know yeah the latest Uh, episode or latest latest one that just got released did you see that uh history of like the drots in there no, I didn't. That was, no, that was super cool. It was the history yeah. of all the German dog, or like mostly Jothars, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. So they were talking about poodle pointers and how that breed was created, you know, back in like, I think it was like the 1800s. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, like the middle class couldn't afford to have multiple dogs that could serve, you know, upland and waterfowl um, and like, you know, all that good stuff. So they, they created the poodle pointers so they could have one dog that just like did it all. So it was, it was a really interesting article. Yeah. It's yeah. They're, I don't know. They're, they're a fun dog, but nice. So was his first season last year? Yeah. His first season was last year. He, uh, yeah, I don't really have many complaints. Uh, you know, like I said, it was my first dog, so I didn't really know necessarily what I was getting into as far as the training. Uh, I'm kind of a do it myself kind of guy with, almost everything. So I knew I didn't really want to send him off, but I didn't have to. Uh, but yeah, he, he, uh, you know, by the end of last year, he, he was doing awesome. You know, he was steady in the blind and retrieved a bunch of birds for me. So I can't really complain. Uh, he was able to hunt. I think we hunted three States and hunted kind of all over in Minnesota from, you know, Southern central, Northern and, uh, yeah, then North Dakota and took a end of the season trip down to Missouri, which is super fun right before Christmas. So yeah, it's, I'm really excited for this year. Last year, I just, by the end of the season, I didn't really want to stop hunting just more so watching the dogs. So amazing how it changes. Like you just appreciate it so much more. Even the bad days are good days right? when you're, when you're with your dog, it's, it's so, so different. Yeah. And that's like, I told my old man, I'm like, it made me feel like I was a kid again, you know, uh, before I kind of had the dog, it, you know, we did a lot of hunting, you know, five, six, eight, ten guys at times, you know, and, and, uh, hunting fields mostly and quite a bit of water too. And then once I got him last year, it just, I didn't really want to bring him around, you know, a 10 gun salute or something. So I just 
went out most weekends and during the week quite a bit, just me and the dog or me and a buddy and the dog. And yeah, it's turned into, that's kind of my new favorite form of hunting is just me and the dog. So yeah, I definitely changed my hunting for sure. That was a very smart move to uh, go out by yourself. Like that's the best way to break in a dog. I mean, there's people that send their dogs to pro trainers and they're, they're the pro trainers steady their dogs up and stuff. And then they go out opening weekend with their dogs and, you know, five, six buddies and cause issues. That was good. Uh, you've done, you've done the right thing. I mean, um, it sounds like he's, he's a really nice dog too. Yeah. I have, I have no complaints really about him. Well, I do have some, but for the most part, he's good. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like all, all the complaints I have about my dogs are, are self-induced complaints, things that I've caused. Yeah, I know that's for sure. I mean, that's, I could only imagine if someone that actually knew what they were doing, training them, trained them, he'd probably be way better, you know, but he was kind of learning with me, but that's first dog. I think, so. yeah, all, all, all three of us are the same exact boat. We all trained our own dogs and learned, made a lot of mistakes along the way. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, yeah. You made the comment about how, uh, you know, like if someone I, who actually knew what they were doing was training their dogs and we all, all three of us were nodding on video there and smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, uh, Matt, Jeff, any, any, you guys want to ask about calling competitions a little bit more? I'm curious about that, but I do. Yeah. Up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. You said you started pretty young, like 12, 13 and went through at least high school, but I mean, how how far did you go? Are you local and state competition? Uh, mostly just local, uh, you know, game fair. And uh, there used to be a bunch of them always. Uh, Shields, a lot more Shields had waterfall days, had calling contests. I uh, went to a few of those, traveled to a couple out of state, but uh, nothing, nothing super major. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fun when I was doing it. Then uh, when I think I got, I don't know, I forget what year is my, I, well, I did a contest here a couple of years ago that did pretty good on, but um, yeah, it just, it was more of just fun being around all the people and uh, worked out good because with backwater, you know, we're traveling to most of the shows anyway. So that's kind of when I was younger, I was just like, well, I'm there anyway. So may as well put my name in the hat, but, um, but yeah, it, it was fun when I was doing it. So I might still get back into it. I always mean to, and then it sneaks up on me and, there's so many good callers these days that it's pretty, pretty stiff competition, especially uh, locally in Minnesota uh, and Wisconsin. And just this part of the re region of the country just produces, you know, just amazing callers, it seems. So, yeah, I'd followed another guy from, I think, your neck of the woods at Jordan Keel. You probably have heard of him, but he yeah, was a big goose caller for a while, right? Yep. 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 Nice. What is your go to call, if you don't mind us asking? Uh, so, uh, all the calls I run, I, I use, uh, DRC calls. He's from up by, uh, Red Lake Falls, Minnesota. He's become a super good buddy of mine. Uh, and yeah, I have no complaints about his calls. I'm currently, I think I've got a, I've got a psycho on the lanyard. Uh, and then, uh, he's coming out with a new duck call here. Just came out actually last weekend, uh, debuted at the Delta waterfall show and, gonna chuck that on the lanyard here after game fair and that'll be what i'm running this fall so that's awesome we're we're all very amateur duck and goose callers here matt probably the best duck caller out of all of us but yeah, i'm not much of a goose caller at all so <laughs> now if you had to give so, all the listeners here that that probably are amateurs like ourselves, if you had to give them any advice on blowing a goose call, what would be the what would be the one thing you would tell somebody like that that's that's learning how to run a goose call? Uh, I'd say just take it slow. You know, learn how to get. Uh, don't you know try and run before you can walk. Uh, just you know, I hunt with tons of different people throughout the year. Um, that's probably kind of one of the benefits of being in somewhat okay caller is you get invited to go hunting a lot with people which is pretty nice yeah and then just when you hear so many other callers throughout the year just you you know a lot of guys they try and get too fast you know where it's like if you when you're learning just uh just learn how to make all those notes roll off really crisp uh and just you know taking it slow and and then just building up from there you know uh 
you know, kind of just getting the basics down. And really, I mean, you know, I mean, as long as you can make a couple good honks and, you know, maybe a spit note or something, I mean, you're pretty deadly in the field, it seems, for for most birds. So, yeah, I mean, you watch some of those competitions and like just the pace and the speed and the cadence that you guys use. I mean, how much of that do you actually use in the field, right? It's probably a lot slower, a lot calmer. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you, most of that stuff on stage, I mean, you you never use in the field, you know. But uh, what being on stage really teaches you is, is, is you know, control the call and, and maintaining, you know. Uh, so you hear it all the time, you know, people like, ah, you know, birds never do that on stage. Well, you know, they're, you know, what you do on stage, you know, birds never do what you know, that's it's not meant to replicate. It's really meant to show, you know, how you can control your air uh, and just, you know, how precise you can be on that call. And uh, yeah, I mean, all that correlates into, into hunting birds too, you know, especially you're hunting molt migrators or something, or, you know, where you're, you're barking at them for a few minutes as loud and fast as you can go. And you got to, you know, work them all the way down to the boot bags or something, you know, that's where all that kind of really comes into play. So Awesome. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I'm at the beginning stages, so this is this is good. Um, it's funny. It's funny what you talk about, though. I'm gonna draw a parallel here because I run hunt tests with my dogs, and you talked about how, like, being on stage teaches you a level of control, right? And then you take that over to the field, that level of control, and, and like, do and like we the way we train our dogs for hunt tests, right? It it takes a certain level of control. And right, like if like in a hunt test, you have triple, right? You get three birds that fall. It's not it's not like when you're in the field, it's not boom, 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 you swing around the horn. It's like pop, 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 right? And the three birds fall. But it's that level of control with your dog that's like that's like the biggest thing. I thought that was really, really fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of in the same realm when you really think about it. You know, a lot of things guys talk about in hunt tests, you know, you might never do in the field, but if you can do that in a hunt test, you can do anything in the field, you know? So that's right. Awesome. Did you, uh, so how many, how many competitions did you win? Uh, I don't know. Not that many pretty, as I said, I, I started at pretty young and then, uh, I, I won a few, but nothing. I mean, there's, I met a, yeah, there's a lot more book guys that are, 30 times better than I am. I just dabbled in it. You're being humble. Yeah, he is being humble. (laughs) Way too humble. Compared to us, I mean, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just want a few, just a few. I mean, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's flip over though. Let's, um, let's talk about, about business. Let's talk about, um, backwater motors. I, I think that this is the point where, where Jeff and Matt start to do most of the talking. Um, but uh, what, so your dad and, and his business partner, I assume a friend um, started yep. this company, like how long ago did they start it? And then tell us about a little bit about, about your role there and what you do. Oh yeah. So um, uh, my dad's business partner, Arlen, uh, him and dad, I think they started right in 08, actually kind of during the, the recession um, is when they started dabbling in it. Uh, they just kind of looked at the long tail mud motor, you know, kind of as a whole as a lot of them are built, uh, you know, all of them have differences, but a lot of them are built kind of relatively similar, um, you know, for quite a while. Uh, and so they just kind of felt like they could build a better mousetrap essentially, you know, so it actually started off with building a surface drive. Uh, we, they started building a surface drive. Um, you know, we never went to production, um, but built a few of them, put a lot of hours on them. Uh, and then at the end of the day, they just realized they liked the simplicity of a long tail. Um, and, uh, just what you can maneuver through with one. And, you know, a lot of times we were on smaller boats and stuff. So that's kind of where the long tail came in as well. Um, so then I believe it was about 2000. 10 is when backwater was officially uh created um and yeah it's been going as fast as or going ever since so um been been pretty fun so far uh then 
two years after they started or basically instantly Arlen's son, Jake Gill came on board. Um, so currently now Arlen's actually uh, semi-retired and it's uh, me, my dad, and then Jake. So, and Jake's also now my brother-in-law. So it's purely just a family business. Oh, that's cool. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And my role in the company, uh, I build all the motors. Um, we do quite a bit of fabrication too, because uh, we build the motors, our main thing. Uh, we have our own line of boats. And then we're also a dealer for uh, another boat company called All Weld. Um, we build our own trailers. And then we just do a lot of different accessories for boats and a lot of, you know, little add-ons. We weld pods on boats and, um, you know, spud poles and gun boxes and all that. So I do uh, all the, uh, build all the motors um, and then uh, do quite a bit of the shipping stuff, you know, shipping all parts and that. Um, and then I do all of our, all of our welding. So, you know, mostly all aluminum TIG welding and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, I, did, I did read that you're a TIG welder. I come, I work uh, at a manufacturing facility and I'm the welding process owner there. So that stuff fascinates okay. me. Anytime I get a new product and I always look at the welds and look at the quality of the welds and yeah, well, I would assume I <laughs> you probably welded the, the kit that I have then, correct? Uh, so actually the kits, those all get uh, robotically welded. So we first came out, uh, our first frame that we came out with, we call it the, the now we call it the classic, but uh, it's a cage frame design, all tubular still. Use the U-joint, uh, similar to quite a few other motors. Um, and then that one we couldn't fit in a robot. Uh, it was too, too many parts. So that one uh, we welded in-house. Uh, but now since we uh, came out with the Swamp Light, we are able to put all those things in a robot, which is just kind of a no-brainer when it comes to manufacturing. Um, so, no, didn't weld that one, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's understandable so. though. Those take robots. I mean, just the efficiency of those things is just yeah, you just you can't just, beat it. No, you you truly can't. So Well, that's awesome. How long have you been full-time at Backwater then? Uh, I've been full-time for 6 years, but I mean, um when we started Backwater uh and, you know, all the years that leading up to it, uh grew up in a mechanic shop. Uh, that was on the same place that, you know, the home place I grew up at. So uh, basically grew up, you know, working in the mechanic shop, always hanging out in the mechanic shop. And then at night we did mud motor stuff and backwater. So I've been with the company and working after school. You know, that's what I did all through high school was just working for backwater. So, I mean, basically kind of since the start, I've had my hands in it, I guess. But yeah, in 17 is when I uh, became full-time officially. So. That's awesome. Now, for those of us that might not know long tail versus surface drive versus outboard, we can kind of leave outboard out of it. But if you had to explain to somebody what the difference between a long tail mud motor is and a surface drive mud motor, what would you say? Uh, I mean, what I would say, and some might agree, some might disagree. Uh, I always look at, you know, a surface drive, uh, kind of like an all wheel drive truck and a Long tail is, you know, like having, you know, four wheel drive. Um, it's, they're very similar in ways and in other ways are not. Uh, for what we do, that's why, like I said, we started with the surface drive um, and then went to a long tail just because we hunt a lot of rice and, you know, like I said, smaller boats and that's where the long tail really shines. Uh, surface drives are super nice. You get, more speed out of them typically. Uh, they're usually a little bit easier to run, um, but kind of the downside is, you know, you have a lot more moving parts. And um, like I said, where we run is way back in the, way back in the middle of nowhere. So having a, just a simple direct drive, you know, that's just personally, that's what, you know, I like to run, so. Right, yeah, I've heard stories of guys with surface drives and like the belt breaks, you know, or chain breaks when they're out in the middle of the field and you're you're basically dead in the water. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it, if you get into really, really, really thick vegetation, uh, you know, that long tail kind of acts almost like an oar on the back of your boat. You know, you can kind of move the whole back end of the boat around with that long tail where surface drive, you know, you kind of hollow out that area where the prop is. You're you know, kind of stuck in a way. Um, but I mean, 
Uh, I mean, I've, I've driven surface traps before. They're fun. They're awesome. But yeah, it seems it's, to be all the rage right you, now. Yeah, it's just, it's really what you prefer. You know, I mean, yeah, I've had how many guys that sold their surface drive to buy a long tail? And I've had a lot of people sell their long tail to buy a surface drive. And at the end of the day, everyone always seems happy. So that's all yeah. that, you know, it, yeah. it's just personal just preference, preference really. Yeah. 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 I was kind of the same way. I, I hemmed and hawed about a long tail versus surface drive. And it was just like you had mentioned, just the, the simplicity and the durability of a long tail, you know, being able to, to maneuver the boat a little bit easier when you get in those real tight spots, use it as an oar be able to lift the whole shaft up out of the water, you know, if you're jumping yep. trees and things like that, you know, that's, yeah. that's ultimately for me, why I ended up going with a long tail. I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like with our design, uh, I feel like we kind of, you know, went closer to bridging that gap between the two. Uh, so that's especially why, you know, we prefer, obviously we prefer our motor, but uh, just in general, you know, we felt like uh, we made pretty good improvements to the, kind of the same old design just took it back to the drawing board and uh, we ended up getting nine us patents on our machine so pretty proud of that uh so yeah it's it's fun so if somebody was considering one of the other major players in the long tail game and they were looking at backwater as one of those companies what would what would you say to convince that person what what sets backwater apart from those other those other players uh, I would say how streamlined our design is, you know, uh, no U-joint. Uh, we have an all tubular frame, which is pretty big. Uh, kind of the biggest, one of the biggest problems always with long tails is just they're always tending to be a lot of vibration, uh, which, you know, you run eight miles and your hand's kind of numb. Uh, so that's why we instantly went to, you know, all tubular frame. Uh, for one, it's a lot stronger. And two, you just get a lot less, you know, harmonics off of it. Um, our bearing system, uh, we've got a, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's a, called the RevelClean bearing system. So there's a reverse groove where your seals ride on. So um, essentially as, you know, if there's ever weeds or fishing line or anything that's trying to get sucked into your bearings, it spits it right back out. Um, and then, yeah, you know, kind of a low profile design, uh, our balance of the machine. Uh, and I also like to thank our customer service is as good as we can try and get it. So, um, another big part, we've got the surface tracer cavitation plate. Uh, so it's a cavitation plate that's rounded. Um, essentially it's creating vacuum, making it want to ride up on the surface of the water. So when you get one of our motors really dialed in, I mean, you can run them with no hands, you know, so, uh, it's kind of letting the motor do the work instead of the driver having to do the work. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I had mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that I had started out with a, a tie long tail kit, which I'm sure you're very familiar with all the, oh, the, yeah. three, yep. the three major brands there. And it, it seems like that's a very, it's a great start for somebody that's just getting into it. You know, the investment is a lot less, but I think ultimately when people put those kits together, they probably start wishing that, you know, maybe they had a backwater or one of the other players. Cause man, those things are, there are a bear to handle, you know, those long shafts are so oh, cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's like, I had to start my turns like 50 yards before the turn actually occurred just to get around yeah. a bend, you know, just with that, I think it had like an 85 inch shaft on mine and it was, when I switched over to backwater, I mean, just the quality, you know, with it being American made and just the shorter shaft and everything, it was just night and day difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially going from a tie kit. It's a, yeah, it's, it's definitely night and day. They're kind of two different animals, you know, that's what I tell people. So. Right. Yeah. And the tie kit, I mean, it, it seemed like they were, it was a little faster, but I can get through so much more in the backwater. It's like, nothing slows that thing down it just chews up any vegetation you throw it at yeah the the tie kits they're definitely and most of them are faster uh but you know kind of the reason for that being is you know you look at like say like an outboard mud motor uh an outboard mud motor has like a twisting motion on your transom where a long tail has a pushing motion on your transom you know so the 
the longer your shaft is, the more flat your push is going to be, uh, which definitely helps a ton with speed. So that's where, uh, with our motors, uh, being mounting off of the bell housing, you know, really close to your output shaft, we're mounting it as low as we can get it. And then also able to keep a shorter shaft. Uh, so you're kind of getting a little bit of the best of both worlds, you know, like we, you might not get the speed of some motors, but you know, you're going to get through everything and get back home at the end of the day. So right. uh, when you're going out in the middle of nowhere and trying to get through stuff, you probably shouldn't be It's more important to get back home. I think then. Absolutely. They get there first, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'd rather get there last and be able to make it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And you mentioned the customer service too, with you guys, I, I can attest to that. I mean, cause I, when I was first setting up my kit, um, I was having a, a couple issues with a few little things, just getting it set up right. And I had reached out to you guys, and I I think it was uh, Jake that had gotten back to me. Yep. It was like within like an hour, he was emailing me back, giving me tips, you know, telling me what to change. And so the customer service was definitely top notch. It was yeah, something I probably to, wouldn't to expect to. I probably wouldn't expect to have that quick of a response, you know, from some of the bigger players in the game. Yeah, that's definitely something we. Uh, we try and pride ourselves on, we help out any way we can. So it's not, it's pretty typical. It'll be a Sunday morning or something. And we're still answering our phones, you know, you guys are having problems getting back to the duck blind, whatever. And yeah, we're, we've all been in those shoes before. So we just try and help out whenever we can. Yeah. It's such a, I mean, the time is so precious during the season. There's only so many days you can get out to go and then, Yep. You know, you have an issue with your motor and it's like, I, what do I need this now? You know? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 We deal with that. Yeah. Just, I don't blame guys. Cause you know, we're all the same way. Mm -hmm. You, know, you want to hunt you as much as you possibly can. Out. Yeah. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah. And it's you been tough lately, you know, just with uh, obviously anything in manufacturing is dealing with it. You know, the, uh, you know, we make our own props and all that stuff. Uh, but just some of the machine parts and that, you know, lead times get stretched out and, you know, you're running out of certain parts and little things like that. And all of a sudden it's middle of duck season makes it kind of tough, but. Do you take calls for in the duck blind? Uh, or someone else cover it? What do you like line up, line up who's hunting on a Sunday so that you, you can just uh, hunt in peace. I mean, I don't do as much with uh, the phone, but yeah, Jake, Jake has taken calls in the duck blind numerous times. Oh, fishing. They just thought, yeah, anything you can think of, he's probably been, you know. Yeah, that's all. Awesome. Happens pretty cool. often. Yeah. So now I kind of want to take a, a step back and say you're, you're just getting your new, you just bought a new duck boat and you're looking at a long tail. How does one go about trying to decide like what size? I mean, you guys offer different sizes for different horsepowers. Um, the kits, you know, are almost like small, medium, large, extra large, essentially. Right. Yep. Um, yep. So how would somebody decide what size they should get and what motor they should pair with their particular boat? Uh, so there's kind of, you know, general guidelines, obviously on the size of your boat. Um, you know, whether, you know, obviously your horsepower ratings, all that stuff, but uh, when it comes down to it, I ask a lot of guys, you know, like, what are you doing with it? Like, are you running, you know, are you hunting a private pond where you're just got to get through some, you know, rice and cattails and stuff for a quarter mile, you know, you don't got to worry about speed or anything. Well then, you know, you can get by with a smaller motor, you know, even on a bigger boat. Um, but you know, if you're, you know, got to ride, you know, six, seven miles to your spot in the morning and hunting public, well, you know, you might need a bigger one uh same thing with your load you know there's a lot of guys that they hunt you know a guy and his dog and two dozen decoys well it's a lot different than the same dude in the same boat with you know eight dozen decoys and three guys and a dog uh so i just kind of base it it's a lot of situational you know um just really think about what your uh what load you're going to be having in the boat throughout you know the hunting season or fishing or what have you and and kind of base it off that uh good majority of people if you know the bigger the better but it's not always the case so right yeah i think a lot of people just 
we try to state that you just buy enough horsepower for whatever your boat's rated to, right? Don't try to go over. I see guys, you know, running 40 horsepower motors on small boats. It's like, oh yeah. I mean, you're going to get there quick, but I'm not taking a ride with you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And even some of the super high horse, you know, say like the 40 horse. um, I mean, I've seen, if you put it on almost too small, the boat, it kind of hurts you in a way, you know, you end up, it ends up almost lifting up the back of the transom and making the bow uh, ride lower because of all the mm-hmm. power uh, where throw that thing on a nice 17 or 18 foot boat and he'll probably be going almost just as fast or if not faster. So now you guys sell, you sell, you mentioned that you sell boats too. I would assume you guys pair motors with the boats and the trailer and the whole package, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So like I said, we're a dealer for a company called Allweld. They're out of uh, Arkansas. Uh, and then we also started, we've been building them for probably, I don't know, eight years, uh, mostly just personal. Um, but now we kind of tweak that hull to exactly where we want it. And uh, we've been moving a lot of those this year. It's our, it's our own hull that uh, is really nice. So, so you and guys then, are building that from the ground up, you said? Yep. Yep. So we actually, yeah, it's, it's been quite the journey, but it's been awesome. So, and then That's cool. trailers too, they're built, uh, they're our branded trailer, but they're built, you know, two miles away in town. So, um, you got a welding shop building those for us and yeah, try and keep everything as kind of local as we can. Yeah. That's, that's cool. good to hear. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Matt. Have you ever have you ever ridden in a boat a lot with a driven with a by a long tail? Yep. Yeah, I mean that's what we grew up with. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay, so you have experience around that. Yep. Okay. Yep, and down in Tennessee, I mean that's depending on the water level how you get to the back typically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you have so I guess where I'm going with this is do you have an opportunity to to angle with uh with Kelly as to why you might need a smaller boat with a long <laughs> tail so you can get into some other smaller pieces of water? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, what size is your boat again? I have an 18 1848. 1848. And you got a yep. 40 horse outboard, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, well the 40 horse long tail would probably push that thing real well, yeah. huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, quite the quite the blind redesign, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, so you you talked about the long tails, you talked about the boats. You guys do sell uh, numerous other products too, right? I saw you got lighting, you guys sell grab bars, you guys sell uh, why don't you talk about some of that other stuff that you guys have uh, that you offer? Yeah. Yeah, we sell uh yeah, a ton of different parts and accessories. Uh like I said we sell a couple different styles of gra- of uh grab bars and uh we're a dealer for for a pretty nice light company called southern light so try and move a bunch of those and uh just sell uh uh props a lot of props you know for i go on all you know different brands of motors as well and uh sell a lot of stuff we call you build parts so guys that are making their homemade motors uh we sell our parts uh to those guys quite often you know uh, i said a long tail in general relatively simple so a lot of guys try to make their own and we cater to those guys as well so whether it be props or our cavitation plate system um drive shafts anything you can kind of think of we you know sell to those guys too so nice i think me and matt we were talking earlier today that and we've talked about this a couple times that we've both been interested in potentially putting pods on our boats um, just to kind of, you know, push the boat up a little bit, get it on plane easier. You know, you guys sell weld on your yeah. pods too, right? Yep. That is what I forgot. Yeah. We sell, sell pods. So um, yeah, I, I love pods. I don't, I can't think of a single negative thing about them really. So um, yeah, that's a, another big part of our, our business, we do a lot of, like I said, custom fabs. So a lot of guys bring their boats to us. We weld them on right in the house. So that's awesome. So what what's the main advantage of putting pods on your boat? I think, like I said, it's mostly just to get your on plane faster, bring the back end of the boat up a little bit, right? Give you more flotation. Yep, exactly. And uh, you know, all of the above, like you just said, and plus, I mean, I like them also just 
I don't know, they're handy as all heck getting in and out of the boat, you know. Mm-hmm. I so use you- them. I put the dog up on it, and yeah, it's there's like I said, there's no downfall to it in my eyes. But yeah, it definitely helps boats run a lot better, especially if you are the guy that put that maybe a little bit too big a motor on too small of a boat pods are definitely going to kind of be your saving grace in most of those <laughs> situations so yeah yeah i have a 1436 and i've just been i wish the boat was a little bit wider so i've always kind of thought okay maybe the pods would give me a little bit more stability but i've yep. heard kind of varying opinions on whether or not it it adds stability or not what do you what do you think uh i think it adds a little bit um but as far as stability, you know, not a, not a ton. Uh, like I said it, the most thing is just getting them installed. Right. You know, if you have, uh, we weld them on. So the back of the pod is about three quarter to an inch up from the bottom of the boat, um, tipped up, I should say at kind of an angle where, you know, we've had guys weld pods on, or they have someone homemade them pods and come into the shop and they, you know, they lose speed or, lose a lot of efficiency well if the pods welded you know tip down at all you just got basically two big kites behind you you know so um so that's definitely a pretty big part of it but Mm. for the most part i've i've hardly ever seen anyone unhappy with their with pods on a boat so well that's good that's good feedback now do you think it's it's beneficial for long tails surface drives and outboards yeah I, i do i yeah yep i think it's you're running shallow water you know any john boat anything like that i think it's beneficial so nice yeah i might have to buy a pair of those i just for me the hard thing is is like okay it'd be about half the cost of my boat (laughs) so like i don't know if i want to it's like maybe i should just buy a bigger boat you know save the money and buy a bigger boat Get a bigger boat and pods. That's, that's always the problem. You always want a bigger boat, bigger motor. It's just it's just a never ending. It's a never oh, ending yeah. addiction, isn't it? It is. What size boat are you currently running? Uh so this fall I'll be running a eighteen fifty six, uh, one of our custom hulls with a forty, uh, and then I don't know. My boats kind of they dabble in and out. You know whether sometimes we get a demo in or a someone trade in i'll run that one for a few weeks and it's kind of everything's always for sale when it's sitting out in the yard so one week say, you you're like a, the dealer right you just get to swap yeah, them in and out every week and test them out <laughs> yeah one week you might have a duck boat and the next week it might be going down the driveway so uh yeah our, our duck boats are kind of always changing <laughs> now for what you do in minnesota it sounds like you're hunting a lot of smaller rivers right a lot of rice yeah. What what would be like your your size your boat size of choice for somebody that's running similar situations? Uh so I really like um for the most I guess sixteen foot fifteen foot uh just I don't know, I'm kind of a fan of smaller boats just they hide a lot better you know you get like in you know like you said in eighteen fifty six that's you kind of got to have a big haul. That's a, that's a <laughs> yeah. big boat. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's, like I said, that's not the only boat I run. Like if I'm hunting smaller water, I'll take out, you know, a 15 footer, a 15, I think it's 1548 is what I ran a, a lot last year. Um, and, uh, it's a nice size boat because, you know, went up to some areas that were, you know, 10 horse power limits and put a 10 horse on there and hunt it out of that boat. And later on in the year, put you know, 23 horse on it and, finish out the season that way but uh yeah it's basically whatever boat for the situation i can hide the best so yeah that's cool yeah i i prefer the the smaller boats too with with me it was like a lot of the launches aren't really launches they're just dirt pass off the sides of bridges and roads and it was something that was small that i could even if i had to pull the boat off the trailer and drag it through some dirt you know to get it into the water i've had situations like that too um yeah that's that's a good majority of all my hunting is you know north dakota uh when we do hunt water you know it's you never have a boat access out there it's plumper in the road ditch and good majority of you know the rivers and stuff that we run uh, a lot of that is yeah landing off of a you know beneath a bridge or something and um 
so yeah it's so we're having a, a lightweight boat is pretty pretty darn nice so for sure you guys dabble with uh county line boats too right we do yeah and he's uh yeah he's become a really good friend of ours and he makes a really nice haul uh he's actually gonna be at game fair with us here in a few weeks uh he'll be up there the first weekend with one of his boats so pretty excited to see him again don't get to see him too often being he's from missouri but um yeah i went down there last year we hunted out of some of his boats and they're super fun you know his little layout boats and stuff you plop them in the smart weed whatever and you disappear so and some of them are even pretty big it's almost it's almost like a hybrid of a john boat and a layout boat right yeah yeah yep he's got how many different uh styles of boat you know some of them you know he builds you know the big the big 17 18 foot boats too you know and but a good majority of what he builds are those you know 12 to 13 10 foot you know layout boats and i believe for most of those he's got you know either a blind that is you know kind of like a pop-up blind on the side or like a panel blind or he's got doors you can put on it but um yeah they're they're pretty sweet they're really sweet i get jealous every time i see one yeah i've i've been on their website a few times and like oh man yeah that's, i love to pull the trigger on one of those things my wife would oh, kill yeah. me though but they are they are sharp looking boats and you can customize them yeah. kind of to whatever you want too right oh yeah and he does i mean he does yeah kind of anything you can really think of he yeah he kind of builds a cadillac of especially when it comes to sneak boats and stuff and you know layout boats is they're nice so yeah pair one of those with one of your long tails and that thing those are pretty sweet looking rigs Oh yeah. Yep. I'm a little biased, but I agree. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I feel like I've been talking most of the time here asking all the questions. You guys got anything? I don't think so. You hit most of my questions. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah I mean, my, my question is like, what should I be, should I be looking at a sneak boat then? You know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know, man. I, 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 you just, any boat, any, just, okay. just get All a right. boat, get yourself right. out on the water. Just the okay. opportunity that it, it brings, you know, just having a, a boat and having, being able to access the water just opens up so much more property for hunting. It's, it's unbelievable. That's true. That's very true. Okay. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it or working oh. on it here. We'll say, <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, we don't have any more questions well, formal questions, I should say. Uh, Zach, the way that we like to finish the podcast is with what we call sky blasting quotes. Right, so these are kind of random. It might be hunting specific. They might not be. We just kind of like throw them out there. And first thing that comes to your mind, shout out the answer. Sounds good. Uh, I wrote down a few of them, but Matt, Jeff, you guys got any? I got a couple. I'll okay. go with my usual. Yeah. Okay. Go for it, Matt. Take us sure. off. What's your favorite mount or taxidermy that you have? Uh, I've got a speckle belly mounted in my living room that he's pretty barred up one. And uh, yeah, it was my first, first speck I ever shot. I think I was so excited. We had a flock of probably 40 do it at like 25 yards or so. And I saw the nicest one I could pick out shot once and put my gun down and I was just jacked. So that's awesome. awesome. I was just talking about speckle bellies with a coworker of mine today. He he said that they taste so good, like compared to a Canada goose. Is that true? Yeah. Like you can't compare it. Really? You can't compare it. I I mean, I'm, I mean, I like eating waterfowl, but you know, I'm also not really one just to throw down a kind of a plain Canada goose breast on the grill and go to town. But, uh, I had a buddy with me that, uh, when I, when we were hunting that day, that, is a is a guide and hunts up in canada a lot shoots a lot of specs and yeah he just plopped it on the grill and you know you got to try it. and yeah i was like amazed i was like yes yeah, is it, i could i thought it would be just like canada's but it's definitely false interesting oh well that checks out yeah. all right matt what else you got that's my favorite one so you guys can go that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> all right i got a couple um ducks or geese Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. I'd rather, uh, I don't know. It's pretty tough to beat a nice wad of greenheads. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like calling it geese more. I like, you know, 
Gaddick and seemed to, I don't know, more fun to call at. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's pretty tough to beat a good wad of mallards in the, in the sunshine. So yeah. I'm going to go with ducks. I agree. All right. Water or land hunting? Water. Yeah. Water. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, field hunting super fun. Uh, had pretty incredible hunts, but I don't know. It was just something kind of nostalgic about shooting ducks over small water or big water, whatever it is, especially when you get into a good one, that's pretty hard to, pretty hard to beat. So and that's probably the safe answer because you do work in your family business as a long tail yeah, motor better, company, right? Water, huh? yeah. yeah, you probably should. Your dad will be happy about that one. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. you dare say land. Don't you dare say land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, my last one this is kind of a funny one, but do you think Minnesota is the superior hunting state compared to Wisconsin? Ooh. Have I've you ever hunted, hunted Wisconsin? I've never hunted Wisconsin really well, never okay. have but boy i don't know minnesota has some pretty pretty good hidden gems so yeah. i might have to root for, i might like have to root for my home state but i can't say until i hunt wisconsin I yeah guess, so. you could probably root for your home state. that's probably fair <laughs> <laughs> i think i think so i would my quite first question was going to be have you hunted wisconsin the answer is no i think we need to change that though yeah i'd be Maybe. down i'm always down for a road trip so yeah man we should get you down here whether it's waterfall or upland or go chase some grouse in the northwoods or something like that it'd be fun oh yeah fun all right what okay you you've done a lot of hunting so what what's on your dream hunt list or bucket hunt list first first hunt that comes to mind uh flooded green or you know flooded timber for sure i want to i'd Need to cross that off the bucket less yet. You know, standing next to a tree in a timber hole. Got picking the water. Yep, yep. Got yeah. quite a few customers and friends that do it and they talk like it's pretty fun. So I definitely want to try that. I think all three of us can probably agree with that one is one of the, the main bucket list items for us. Yep. Yeah. Def uh, yes. Just yes. Uh I'll say. Okay, uh, what is your music music genre of choice? Uh, boy, that one's really all over the board. I kind of listen to probably a little bit of everything, but I don't know, you can never really go wrong with 70s or 80s rock, I suppose. <laughs> Interesting for a young guy. That is not what I was expecting. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. cool. That's all awesome. Right. Yeah, it is. Okay, Apple or Android? Apple. And then uh, coffee or energy drinks? Coffee. Okay. Nice. Good man. Matt, you're just the outcast over here. Like, as always, the energy drink guy. I don't know how you can do it, man. <laughs> Tyler's explanation of that, you know, a cold November morning, you know, you open up the thermos and the coffee's steaming. doesn't get any better than that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, all right. That's so. Oh. Let's. Well, I don't have any more, um, any more sky blasting questions. That was fun. Those are, uh, those are always fun. I always enjoy those. Uh, Zach, if people wanna, if they haven't heard about Backwater, if they wanna learn more, if they have questions, how can they go about getting a hold of you, uh, finding Backwater on social media? Where, where, where should they go? Oh uh, yeah, we're, we're on uh, Facebook and Instagram, just under Backwater Inc uh websites backwaterinc.com and tons of different media and stuff on on all three of those uh usually pretty responsive to to dms whether it be on backwater under my personal account i guess or yeah email phone call we're usually always right there so awesome excellent that's great if you have questions if you're interested uh, i would definitely check out uh check out backwater i have gotten to experience the the Jeff's motor. I got to ride in his boat. A uh, big fan. It's pretty awesome. Um, so, if I do ever get a duck boat, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking long tail. So I'll. I'll just leave it with that. So, um, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Uh, we'll be back in another week with another episode. Uh, and if you have ten seconds, we would appreciate. Uh, just go ahead and leave us a review, whether it's on Apple or Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you're on. Um, 
Thank you so much for listening and uh, have a good night, guys.